ready to start the show here. And let me check and make sure Ren is good. Hey, Ren, you there? Hey, I am here. What's going on, guys? Not much. Uh, we ready to start the show? Hell yeah, brother. All right. Hello and welcome to Next to Nothing, the show where we talk about how to waste your time and not your money in gaming. I am your host, Danny K. With me, as always, my partner in crime, my true love, Renditions. I will take half of that. Hello, it's me, Renditions. How you guys doing? Welcome on in, everybody. <laughs> Just don't break my heart by saying which half. Is that a deal? <laughs> I'll leave it up for interpretation. <laughs> um, this, oh, man. Uh, let me adjust my mic here. Um, so this week, we don't have a guest. Our guest backed out, and I thought it would be a nice change of pace if it was just the two of us uh, this week. Um, so that's uh, why there it's just our uh, two ugly mugs up here for you guys to view. <laughs> and uh, hey, listen, I am horrendously beautiful. Okay. <laughs> oh man, uh, I make a I make a troglodyte feel proud. <laughs> oh god. Um, <laughs> oh wow <laughs> so uh we do have some uh stuff to talk about this week and i figured we'd get right into it unless you had any objections oh oh i have plenty no <laughs> by all means go right ahead um so <laughs> i think we'll talk about um a new tool that i've been trying out uh for my stream uh lately i've been trying to up the uh up my proficiencies um my you know efficiency and like up the stream mm -hmm. and stuff like that so uh, i finally that sweet sweet production quality sweet sweet production quality so one of the tools i've been trying out for this um is called touch portal uh specifically mm -hmm. i'm trying the free version of this um so which uh, I will say is available on iOS. It's also available on Android phones and for PC. I'm not 100% sure if it's available for Apple. I can double check that here in a moment, but um, basically what Touch Portal is, it's a macro button app um, designed for your phone to be used mm -hmm. in conjunction with a PC. Or with right. Computer. So think of it essentially as Stream Deck Mobile in yep. a sense. It's a free alternative version to that. Yes. Now it's more of a it's a freemium product. I will say mm -hmm. you, the the first taste is free, um, and then okay. it's ten dollars uh, for the full version, which gives you unlimited buttons. Um, is it ten dollars? Is it a monthly subscription or is it just, just ten dollars flat? Just ten dollars okay. flat. Um, okay. Right. So, yeah, the way that you use, um, and I will say, as I just looked it up, it is available on Mac OS as well. Um, so it's okay. available for Android, iOS, PC, and uh, Mac OS. I'm sure if you are uh, a Linux user, you could probably figure out a way to run Linux as well. Um, mm -hmm. But so, yeah, you connect. There's uh, two methods of connecting Touch Portal. Um, you first have to have the uh, app installed on both your PC and on your phone. Um, you can keep your uh, phone connected via USB. Um, or, as me and you found out in the pre-call, mm -hmm. uh, you can connect using Wi-Fi, which yeah. <laughs> I saw the option there. I just hadn't tried it out mm -hmm. until this, and it works just as fine um, okay. as having it wired. Um so, yeah, what you first need to do is have it installed on both devices that you intend to use it for. Um, if you're going to be using this for OBS, 
um, mm-hmm. like I have been uh, using it, you need to make sure that you go to the OBS website, uh, go to like the tool section and get the WebSocket uh, for uh, Touch Portal. That way, that they'll interface correctly. Um, mm-hmm. I had a lot of difficulty. I've, this is not the first time that I've tried this. I kind of played around with it for a couple hours months back, and I just kind of gave up on it because I was busy with uh, mm-hmm. more pressing things at the time. And so this last week right. was when I really, or two weekends ago, I really decided to use it. Um, if you're on the free version, you have 16 buttons. Uh, technically, you have 16 buttons. Um, what you get is you get two pages of eight buttons in a grid of four by two. Two of those buttons have to be used for navigation, just like on a stream deck. Um, mm-hmm. So you can have like a main page that, you know, uh, you can have all your stuff on on the free version. You can have a, quite a few things on in the free version. But if you want to add anything past those, say, seven buttons or those original eight buttons, yeah. you're going to need to sacrifice one of those buttons to go to like a secondary page. Um, right. A lot like how folders would work in Stream Deck. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah. So that's just something to keep in mind that you essentially you get 16 buttons, but really you get 14 buttons that will have any real mm-hmm. effect. Um, the response time I have noticed is pretty, pretty passable. Um, okay. I don't think it's going to be one of those things that uh, people would be necessarily super concerned about if they're just trying mm-hmm. to use it to um, maybe up their stream game if they don't already have a stream deck. Um, right. Or something that if they want to uh, uh, maybe if they're like a photo editor or something like that, it, this would be an interest, uh, a good tool to run some macros on very quickly. You know, if you're doing like auto white balance or apply LUT mm-hmm. or something like that, you can um, interface these with uh, programs like that. Um, mm-hmm. It does have some integrations already built in for it. It has uh, integrations for OBS, XSplit, Slobs, Twitter, and Twitch. Um, okay. Are those all of them, or is is there more? That's all of the built-in integrations that I've seen. Okay. All right. Um, and then they probably have like a modding category where you can actually add in their own. That yeah. that's at least what happens along with Stream Deck because Stream Deck currently has they have a bunch. Like there's mm. there's a list. I, I think it's like about twenty just native, and then whatever you want to like include, you can essentially. Yeah. Um, but for ten dollars, that's not that bad. That pretty much covers everything you realistically want it for, at least. Yeah. Because I... most of the other things, especially when it comes to like Photoshop and things like that, it's more along the lines of like you just do a key binding for it mm-hmm. versus like having to have integration specifically for it. Yeah. But uh but yeah. And I haven't tried it out with Photoshop or with mm-hmm. um or with uh, Lightroom or Premiere or anything like that. Uh, that's mm-hmm. kind of my next phase of experimentation with it. I would like to see, um, you know, if I open up like a Lightroom, hey, can I just have it run this key bind real quick? You know, this, you know, mm-hmm. quick key. That way I can just uh, white balance without having to, you know, at the touch of a button. Um, yeah. Or do it with uh, um, Premiere and see if it'll like, do a white balance and apply a lot, especially if I'm doing like a bunch of, um, if I'm doing like a bunch of batch video work mm-hmm. where it's like, okay, I have all of these files and they need to be white balanced or auto white balanced and they all need this LUT applied. 
mm-hmm. you know, can I, will it do it yeah. uh, quickly? Um, that way I'm not going to each folder individually and having to do multiple button clicks for it. Um, I haven't tried that right. yet. I, uh, that's kind of, like I said, the next thing. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see. What else do I have here for the notes? Um, so there, there was like some setup confusion that I had. Uh, and I will mm-hmm. say um, the official videos are not great. Um, <laughs> it doesn't explain the fact that you need to install the WebSocket for OBS from the OBS website. Um, mm-hmm. I struggled to get it to connect with OBS yeah. the first little bit. Um, and I'm like, why didn't the official tutorial tell me that? Unless I was looking at the wrong right. tutorial, but it was like, this is an easy, quick setup guide for OBS. <laughs> so that's some, that's kind of like a eh, kind of a strike against it. Um, some other things that I've seen um, with it, or uh, I guess I will say like some, some things I can say that are good with it. Uh, you can change the mm-hmm. you, uh, you can change the buttons, like the images on the buttons. Um, you can also add like an animation to it, so you can see visibly that you uh, press the button. Um, and then okay. you can also turn a setting to vibrate. But because for me that it would be sitting um, essentially maybe a foot and a half at most more like a foot Mm -hmm. from my mic vibration was not anything i really wanted to have it do um but i found just seeing it like the animation wiggle on my phone Mm -hmm. uh, as an indication that yeah it registered my button press uh was good enough um Otherwise, uh, honestly, I have. It's hard to be unsatisfied with something like this, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, because it, it. First off, like I said, freemium. You get that. You know, you get that trial to see exactly how it works and play around with it. And I feel like in just the time that I've, um, that I've played around with it, that I feel pretty good about it. This will probably be like a purchase I make in the future, I still haven't used all my button presses or my Mm -hmm. button options yet. I still have a few. Um, Yeah. So I'm trying to decide exactly how many, like for stream right now, the way the, what I have it set up for is I have my two navigation buttons. I have um, for the mainstream where it's actually really difficult for me to change scenes and stuff like that during gameplay. Um, I can do it with the two podcasts. It's much easier to change because I'm not in a windowed environment mm-hmm. or in a, in a bordered environment at, uh, desktop wise. Um, yeah, but I, so I have all my, my scenes, you know, my regular gameplay, my webcam only, uh, my hype page, my new hype page. Uh, so if you guys haven't seen that, uh, yet come on by when I'm streaming, um, you know, gameplay. Um, I have a mute, an emergency mute, especially, uh, in case, okay. uh, like a song request doesn't come through right or mm-hmm. song request does come through right. And it's a troll, um, or mm-hmm. something like that. Uh, I have an emergency mute set up, which works, uh, actually very, very well. Um, Let's see. Um, and then, yeah, some sound effects. I added some sound effects as well. Um, 
that uh, are are just been fun and enjoyable to use. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm uh, still gonna be playing around with some more stuff for the stream to help, like with the podcasts and whatever else. Mm-hmm. Um, but and you're still currently on the free version, right? Yeah, yeah. I haven't paid okay. for the the full version yet. Um, okay. Once I outgrow the free version, I'm probably gonna go on ahead and and, and do the full purchase. Um, mm-hmm. And simply because even if I don't even use the full purchase outside of much else um right you know if only if i'm only running three or four pages uh ten dollars yeah. still beats running a stream deck that's 120 dollars yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, well the, the reason why i ask is because uh comparing because uh, realistically the way that i compare this is i compare it to stream deck mobile which is a thing as well mm-hmm. uh it is more obviously because it's elgato and they like to charge a lot of money but I think it's like three bucks a month or like 20 bucks a year. I think I could be wrong on the yearly one. That one I could definitely be wrong on, but I know it's about like $3 a month. um, And it gives like all the exact same features as regular stream deck. Um, I don't know. I, I really enjoy my stream deck just because it has like so much native functionality and like integrations built in because you were mentioning things like as Twitch, it has Twitter it has OBS, like all of your standard like encoders, and it has like all of that. Mm-hmm. But uh, but like for example, mine has um, like Spotify integrated into it. I, I even have like my Minecraft servers are integrated into it, where I can actually see like how many people are on a server at a given time. Things mm-hmm. along those lines. One of the things that I was going to ask you about, and I kind of asked you about it like before we started the stream, mm-hmm. is with Stream Deck you can make multi-function keys, yeah. which essentially causes more than one macro at a time Mm -hmm. so one of the like main like twitch ones for example is like being able to change your game and the title of your stream with a press of a button to any specific thing whereas like using a stream deck multi-key i could do that along with starting up a game switching the scene directly to that like doing a whole bunch of stuff all at once on just one key that's one thing i really do enjoy about like the stream deck as a whole but i do i definitely get it like it's not super necessary but I don't know. I'm a big fan of yeah. like having these multi-function keys that I can press that like set up my stream that I'd normally take like 10 minutes to like deal with mm. and just like click it once and then it's done. Like even when I uh, promote the uh, podcast that we're doing right now, I, I have one key that like automatically goes to Discord, to uh, Twitter and automatically hosts the uh, the Twitch stream as mm. well all at once. And I find that super handy dandy versus like having to go through and actively do it all. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so does it have like a multifunction key? This yes. is like my biggest question for mm. sure. It does? Um, okay. Yeah, so for like my mute button for sure, it's two functions. Mm-hmm. It's mute okay. desktop audio and OBS and mute mute mic. Um, mm-hmm. And then when I open up the OBS, or not the OBS, the uh, touch portal um, software, which I don't know why I tried to open it again. I already have it open. Um, <laughs> it just freaked out. <laughs> so anyone that it was, but yeah, you can, um, and then you also, so you have an on press and then on event options as well. So okay. you can do, you know, you can add, um, you can run a program, uh, run batch files, run a shortcut, open folder, PowerShell script, mm-hmm. you know, it has a navigation for uh, URL and pages. Um, it does the input. Right. Um, okay. 
it's got a utility uh, that you can, you know, lock computer, shut down computer. It's got logic, mm -hmm. HTTP, visuals, media functions. So yeah, you can, um, and I'm sure you can get really deep with this where it's like, yeah. uh, you know, if you're start application and, you know, run mm -hmm. another event or on that event, you know, start this or play this. Mm -hmm. um, I haven't played with it that deep yet. Um, yeah. Mostly for um, time's sake, unfortunately. Uh, right. I haven't had like a ton of time to really play around with Touch Portal outside of getting like my basic setup. Um, yeah. But I, I mean, that makes sense yeah. too, especially when you're just trying to figure out how it works. But like, that that's one of the big things I always like immediately think of when I think about the stream deck is mm -hmm. the pure amount of integrations as well as the multifunction key itself. Yeah. Like that's that's always the big thing for me. Um the other question I really have is uh like so with with the stream deck specifically, the modding community is very large. Like mm -hmm. it's very large for it. Like even if like Elgato doesn't host some of the mods. You can easily find some. Like I have a Discord muting one specifically. Yeah. That like doesn't need a keybind itself. Like I don't need to have like an F13 button that's automatically mm -hmm. pressed. Whereas like it just goes in automatically mutes and deafens my Discord. Yeah. Um things like that, which are like not super easy to find, but you can mm -hmm. find them. Um how how big is like that scene when it comes to a touch portal? Is like my next big question. Um I haven't looked at the um, at the modding community for it or the support community for it. I'm actually looking at the website right now. Mm -hmm. um, let's see. Yeah, I'm not seeing anything like directly like a forum for Touch Portal, which is uh, interesting. I see a blog, I see an FAQ, and there's the tutorials. Um, it, they do have a, a, a support link in Discord uh, server um, mm -hmm. uh, right on their website. So I suppose like there, if you are looking for help, uh, you could go right to the Discord and get a lot of information. Um, right. Some other things I, I'm looking at their website. Um, you can... Uh, you can actually export your buttons and pages to share with others. So, mm -hmm. but like where that would necessarily be found on the right. website, I don't see it directly, which okay. um, I, I'm a little surprised that there's not a, you know, when you create and share and export your buttons, there's not like a website that you can just go to, to see people's exports. Mm -hmm. people can post well, normally, exports. at least with stream deck, I believe it's like stored in like a specific file that you could just send to other people. Um, like all of your, all of your like stream deck plugins in mm -hmm. them in their own right are like their own like I want to say their SDKs. Mm -hmm. I think that's what like file name they go with, but I'm not entirely positive. Um, but I believe that's where they like store their exports. So it could be a, like a system along those lines. Um, cause it has the exact same feature and that feature is really great, especially for like, uh, for video editors exclusively where it maybe is like multiple people working on one project. Yeah. And, uh, and you just want to do it that way. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but yeah, that, that's, that's a cool feature. Don't get me wrong. Um, but, uh, but yeah. Yeah. Like, and I'm seeing like they, like on, on this, they're specifically toting like 
you know, a Photoshop uh, export or, you know, created button mm-hmm. and OBS recording yeah. and whatever else. So in a Sprite, which is a Sprite model uh, making mm-hmm. software that uh, a friend of the show, Spectissa, uh, uses that I know for sure. She talked about it uh, early yeah. on, early on in our um, podcasting career here. Um so overall, I think this is definitely if you're looking to like up your game or to uh, really like if you just have like these functions that you use all the time. If like you're a photo editor or a video editor or audio editor um, or, mm-hmm. you know, you're a programmer and you, you know, you have uh, yeah. functions that you, you know, use all the time. This is definitely an option um, in terms of quick access to macros um the it's pretty simple to understand once you actually get yourself set up and i think the initial tutorials are really bad if anyone actually has any like needs any assistance and is listening to this send us a Mm -hmm. send our twitter a message and i'll respond and i'll help you guys out as best as i can or if you're in our discord uh Mm -hmm. just you know tag me in the discord and be like hey danny what the hell is this how do you set this up and I'll, I'll i'll respond because it was a little frustrating um mm-hmm. trying to get it done <laughs> initially yeah. especially with the obs um so i'll be more than willing to help uh, folks out if they uh, have questions about touch portal um at least yeah. getting started uh and as i am sure as i grow i'll be able to talk more about it uh and get you know get uh, people more acquainted with it otherwise yeah i think it's a perfectly uh reasonable um a per, per, perfectly reasonable uh app to get yeah and i think it'll Honestly, save people time like, and money yeah specifically like these kind of apps like this is one of the big reasons why i like ifttt like i think these are very important things to at least have like somewhat of an understanding of just for simplicity's sake is like even if you're not like a streamer or if you're like not meeting a majority of these categories still having the ability to like automatically activate something like wherever you're at like i could just be on my phone with wi-fi and then maybe i can like just press a button that automatically like syncs my computer my tv that's like in a different room and then almost use that as like a remote for like mm-hmm. my own TV, like just to do it that way, that in its own right is pretty cool. Using it to like control audio, control like songs, stuff like that. Using it for like video production and like photo production, things like that. Like it's not it's not a tool just for streamers. Yeah. This is even where I like talk about like the Stream Deck. It's great for streamers. It's obviously meant for streamers, but there's so many outside uses that if you just put like a little bit of like thought into it, you can be like, wow, wait a second. Like this could actually be really useful for just about anything like even in terms of programming if you're like using anything in particular that's like a fairly common occurrence mm-hmm. versus instead of just like having to type it in seventeen thousand times you could just press a button and yeah. it just automatically does it for you and you're good um but uh yeah I, it's one of those things i definitely recommend for everybody to be honest like yeah. at least try it out and see what you could do with it yeah because like yeah which i've been meaning to ask you about if this then mm-hmm. that because i've been struggling with that trying to get like a podcast bot on the uh discord because yeah. apparently there's like no good rss reading bots for discord um mm-hmm. yeah yeah i was looking for this is just going to be a slight tangent here but i was looking for an mm-hmm. R, uh, a bot that would look at rss feeds for podcasts and then mm-hmm. automatically post when they update and yeah. I couldn't find one. 
um i couldn't find one that worked well at least uh there was like mm-hmm. one that was like yeah we'll like post like your favorite stats from reddit or something like that i'm like that's not what i want though <laughs> i wanted to just like i want to be able to put in an rss feed and be like hey this was updated here's a link to go view it or something mm-hmm. and it didn't do that yeah so yeah um Let's see. Uh, anything else on Touch Portal at all? Any other like, questions or thoughts? I, I'm going to continue playing with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, as I as I continue to, I'll, I'll come back with some updates maybe in a couple weeks or so. Okay. All right. I think the last thing is like, um, because you're using the free version right now, and you're mm-hmm. talking about how you have two pages, and I was looking through it and. Like, they say that you get an unlimited pages, so I'm assuming that's kind of just, like, if you already paid for it. But can yeah. you make uh, folders? That That's probably, like, the big thing that I immediately wonder, is, like, if you can make folders, that's an excellent way to bypass that sort of thing. Because technically, I have, like, two pages used on my, mm. uh, on my stream deck right now, but I use everything through folders, so I just, yeah. like, mitigate the amount of raw pages that I have. Um... That'd be something that I would immediately be curious about. I I don't think you can. Now, okay. this might just be me. Uh, is, like, a folder just, like, a sub page? Like, do you... Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. for example, with the podcast, I have my regular streaming stuff, and mm-hmm. I have my podcast, and then I have, like, my lighting all in, like, separate folders on, like, one main page. Mm-hmm. And then that's all, like, very easily accessible just by pressing the button that gives me all the options for it. It's essentially, yeah. like, another page, mm-hmm. pretty much. But, uh, like, it just doesn't consider it another page in the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it, it's essentially just, like, a folder. It's it's a folder. Gotcha. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I don't think you can. Um, okay. Looking at mine right now, looking at the, the way I have it in, um... Mm-hmm. I don't see any options that I can create a folder. I think everything is just going to have to be raw pages. Okay. Um, which. Yeah, kind of stinks, kind of doesn't. I would feel like I would probably get lost yeah. with like a bunch of folders, <laughs> but that's also mm-hmm. just me. Um, I'm like trying to tap everywhere, trying to get back to where I need to be. <laughs> would be a pain in the ass. Um, uh so yeah that's about that i think anything else on on touch portal you want to no that's about cover it for me cool i think that's big word um we both played a game this week that, yeah um, and i'm like brand new to it i yeah. i've gotten a little tiny bit of experience with it so uh recently we've both been playing killing floor 2 uh i i was going to play well no i played it on friday i think you played it on thursday right yeah now and i've Um, I've been playing killing floor two on and off for two three years now yeah i'm like super new new to the series for the most part apparently i have like eight hours in killing floor one and i have about the same at this point in killing Mm -hmm. floor two and i've honestly been really enjoying it for those who don't know what it is it's essentially a wave-based uh like uh zombie shooter in a sense so it's really old school in that regard it's honestly really old school in a lot of regards that was one of the things i started to notice was like there was a lot of like class-based character selections which is very reminiscent of like team fortress 2 Mm -hmm. in a sense um and uh the shooting was good it wasn't anything like absolutely top notch but it was definitely good it held its own ground it wasn't bad by any means um 
and like the concept of like a wave based shooter isn't super common nowadays for the most part like you don't really see that very often tends to be more often like it's an open world and you kind of just explore it rather than killing floor you're literally just trying to hold out wave after wave after wave and your gameplay selections are like short for four waves medium for seven and then like long for ten um and you're essentially just fighting off zombies that's pretty much the gist you're fighting off zombies for a certain period of waves and they start ramping up more and more over time until you get to the very last one which is like a boss so you end up fighting like a boss and then that's done for that match and then you go ahead and start up the next one so it's it obviously it's focused on replayability and one of the things i noticed immediately was like it's it's very good at grabbing your attention as a new player and you can also see as a new player the possibility is for it to like gain more depth mm -hmm. so like for example looking through like the perk trees and things along those lines you, you can see like okay the medic is going to over time because there's a leveling system for all your characters it's kind of like an inherent an inherent grind in a sense of like you're more so progressing your character than yourself to a degree when mm -hmm. you're starting um which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I always have mixed opinions on that, but in this case, it's not necessarily horrible. Um, but you're progressing your character to a certain level, and there's four different difficulties. There's normal, which recommends, like, a level zero to five. So if you're just, like, new starting out, you, you play on normal. And then hard is, I believe, six to ten. And then I want to say suicidal is, like, ten to fifteen. And then uh, hell on earth is fifteen plus. I believe I could be totally wrong on that yeah. one because I'm, I'm not there yet. But uh, that's essentially how the uh, like difficulty system works. And you're not locked out of any of the difficulties just by being a new player or something like that. Mm -hmm. It does recommend you to be like a certain level for it just so that way you're not really like messing up your teammates. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's not a requirement by any means. You can be like a level zero going into a hell on earth mode and then just feeding if you really want to <laughs> but uh but yeah i don't know i found it i found it really fun like it, it has a casual experience right there that you don't need to worry about if you want to play normal it's very very casual you don't really yeah. have to worry too much about anything but you can definitely see where it like progresses into its own like hardcore kind of game yeah whereas like every difficulty whereas a lot of like difficulties in games kind of just increase health and damage and that's all they do mm. whereas in this one to my understanding they increase health damage movement speed of enemies and they also give enemies certain modifiers as well so yeah. you'll run into like armored enemies where like like tactics that you tried in the past won't work against them so like just popping somebody in the chest normally and normal is totally fine like you're not going to get punished for that whatsoever but if you try to do that in like a harder difficulty they normally have like armored chest plates and things along those lines and then you realize you're totally just screwing yourself mm -hmm. <laughs> just like running ammo into it and yeah. uh the the battle isn't so much like fighting zombies as it is fighting your resource management has been one of the things i've noticed yeah. where like i i've been playing demo man or uh demolitions and uh, for those who don't know it's very explosive based and it's kind of expensive when you're like trying to like get your inherent gear so you have to be really cost effective and you get money by just killing targets along those lines mm -hmm. nothing super crazy um but you have to really manage your money which means you have to manage your ammo throughout rounds 
And if you're like mismanaging your ammo all the time, you have to pay money to get more. And then you're just going to be in this horrible loop. Um, so that that's one of the like the first things I realized is like a a learning curve in a sense, like in normal, you don't really have to worry about your ammo. You'll be fine. Everything is like pretty easy to just destroy immediately. Um, but like when you start getting into the harder difficulties, it's like, yeah, I'm constantly running out of ammo. I don't know what I'm doing wrong here. And yeah. then over time, you're like, okay, I see it now. I, I'm just mismanaging a lot of my resources. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, there's there's tons of different variants on zombies as well. It's not just like your standard. It, it's not like I, I would say the best comparison I could probably make is uh, COD zombies combined with like uh, TF2 classes in a sense. Just an expanded version on TF2 classes would probably be my best way of putting it. And honestly, not, it, when I was like for dead thinking zombies? about it, well, kind of to a degree, it's very COD zombies in the sense that you're constantly running around. Mm. With Left 4 Dead, you're like in a campaign, you're actively trying to progress through a map. Whereas yeah. in COD zombies, you're just trying to survive. Well, I that's guess that's all you're trying to do, and you're just trying to like manage that. I guess I meant to ask more about the the zombies themselves in the ways that they oh yeah okay yeah 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 so yes you're right in in the sense that there is different variants of zombies yes mm -hmm. so like you'll have your basic like ads zombies they're not really anything special all they're doing is trying to like get close to you and just cause havoc by existing yeah. rather than like being brutal and then being a real threat and then you'll have like other things such as like i want to say they're sirens mm -hmm. which uh can block grenades they can they can stop rockets things along those lines and those can be really brutal for somebody like a demo who's actively trying to take out like higher tier mobs in that sense mm -hmm. so you really have to like worry about them at certain times um you'll have like mobs that are very heavily focused on just charging you and they're they're heavily well not heavily armored but they're head armored yeah. so like your tactics of just killing a normal zombie is just you pop them in the head and you move on whereas this one literally just runs at you and your immediate first thought is oh i'm gonna shoot him in the head only to realize his head's totally fine and he's just gonna stab you to death um yeah, are you talking about the scave yeah no no, 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 no. I'm talking about the, uh, they're all, they're like a lighter unit. Oh, um, with the blades on their arms? Yes, yes. The but the scaves, are... the scaves themselves are very dangerous. And that was a learning curve in its own right. Those yeah. and Flesh Pounders were on its own level of a learning curve. Yeah. Where, like, you're running into pretty basic, like, higher tier mobs. Nothing super crazy. Mm -hmm. And then you run into your first, uh, scave. And it's literally just a mob that walks at you. But he has this like giant glowing sword and your your first thought is like oh i'm just gonna shoot him until he dies and then you realize like when you take him to a certain health pool he enrages and then all he does is just try to murder you outright and normally does a great job yeah at it just saying like if you're not prepared for it and you actively are enraging them you're heavily hindering your team and that that was something that took me a bit to really understand um uh, and flesh pounders just get like super close and personal like yeah. they are a huge threat um real quick someone uh just made a uh or just made a comment and i i apologize it's not pronounced sca uh scave it's pronounced scrakes uh yeah in there it's like a mini boss and it has the um 
you know, Evil Dead chainsaw uh, arm. I, mm-hmm. What I will say, like, uh, one thing I feel like you might want to mention is each class is kind of specifically designed to deal with different Zeds. Um, yeah. Like, gunslingers are very much, like head pop in you know all their guns Mm -hmm. do like one shot kill to most zombies and they're really really designed to go after like sirens who Mm -hmm. you want to get sirens off of the field as soon as possible because they can uh eliminate everyone else's um everyone else's uh technical gear um right and then they're my I main berserker um and berserkers mm-hmm. are meant to keep uh most zeds off of like your teammates so if you have a teammate who you know is a demo or as a gunslinger you really just or like the medic especially mm-hmm. if you're a berserker you want to be basically like white on rice with them and right making sure that they're cleared and that you're you're doing your job of um control which also makes it that you're going to be taking if you're like playing uh if you're going to be playing um berserker you're going to be taking on most of the uh <laughs> most of the large zeds because you don't want the large zeds going for um the other the mm-hmm. other players especially medics um yeah so there yeah, is that, like, that was like one thing I learned meta. real quick as yeah. playing Demolition was the second that a flesh pounder's on you, you're immediately useless. <laughs> like yeah. everything just goes out the window because all of your stuff has like a certain range until it can actually work effectively. Mm-hmm. You can't just kind of shoot a rocket point blank and then expect it to blow up because it needs a certain amount of time to set. Yeah. So like the second a flesh pounder's on you, you're like, well, I'm screwed. <laughs> it was yeah. nice knowing you. But uh, yeah, you're totally right. Like having different these different classes all have different like impacts or they they focus heavily on different things. So like sharpshooters and uh and demolitions are heavily focused on big game hunting. So these things like these flesh pounders, like these uh scrakes that are like at a distance, they're very easy to take out in those rules. But like the second that they get close, it's kind of all over. And that's where things like the medic and the berserker come in to try to like hinder that ability to get to the back line. So there's like this entire metagame underlying it. Mm-hmm. But, like if you're playing it casually, it's not very impactful. Like yeah. it's not something that you necessarily need to worry about so much because everything can die relatively quickly. But the second that you start going into the different like different difficulty modes, you immediately start realizing, okay, these tactics that I was trying before aren't going to work. I think that's a really cool thing. I, I think it's cool that like this game actually has some depth. Yeah. When I looked at it initially as like a brand new player, I didn't really see any. I was like, mm. okay, it's just a zombie shooter game. Cool, I guess, whatever. Yeah. But after giving it some time, I was like, okay, wait a minute. So I've been loving just exploding stuff, obviously. It's tons of fun. Yeah. But I'm not playing my role correctly. Like, I'm not helping so much. I'm just kind of mm. clearing trash mobs because I can. Yeah. But, uh, easily somebody else could deal with that whereas i can just take out these like really dangerous like characters these really dangerous mobs and try to help in that regard to really focus on that particular role yeah um but yeah i don't know i found that to be a really really cool thing um but i don't know i definitely got the feeling that they were very heavily inspired by valve in so many different regards too it was like Mm. uh 
you're you're right in the left for dead sense they they have these different variants of uh zombies um in in the cod sense which is uh, isn't like really a de- valve but it's kind of just that run and gun uh, sort of zombie shooter um and uh, like the tf2 class sort of system not necessarily mm-hmm. tf2 but it's something that's very popularized from that and the <laughs> The part that I looked at immediately and I was like, wow, this reminds me of CSGO was the loot boxes <laughs> where I literally I was like, wait a second. Hold on. I remember this from CSGO and TF2. I don't yeah. want to buy keys for loot boxes. Yeah, I, I found that like a little weird, a little, a little a, jarring of experience on that. Yeah, um, I have a lot of uh, USB sticks that I'm just like, I'm just going to go on ahead and put this on the Steam market. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I saw it and I was just kind of sh- like surprised because I yeah. always looked at it as like just a co-op game and in a co-op game. You don't really have to show off mm-hmm. like that's not the big thing. You're not like, oh, check out my sweet pistol. Yeah, co-op. Normally, that's the thing that you just kind of gloat when you kill somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, yeah, I don't know. I found that to be a really weird, like, a really weird marketing strategy. I guess I don't yeah. know. I, I found that very jarring as a whole. Yeah, I mean, it's still technically an early access game, which mm-hmm. I even have a note in here about: <laughs> Is this even early access I'll, anymore? I, yeah, I don't know if I'd consider it that. To be honest, it's been out for God knows how long. I, I think it's been out since 2014. Yeah, it's been out for I a think? while. Um, and like some things, like I like some. You were talking about like as a new player having depth. I've I have like 80 hours in this game over on and off for like mm-hmm. two three years and like i haven't seen like that much content update really i i, I did come yeah. back to it and like this is like the time period in time in which i have seen like the most uh content added which being like some of the um like hold an objective kind of play in like the whole objective mode right. itself and then like hold yeah. a position was added as well like those were but and I will say that actually adds a lot of more fun to it. Yeah. Like there was a specific seasonal mode that we played. It was on a Christmas map and every round had some sort of like go to this objective and do this sort of thing, mm-hmm. which is a lot more interesting, at least to me personally, yeah. versus just kind of like run around the map and kill guys. Yeah. Like somebody did say that Killing Floor 2 came out in 2016. Um, okay. So it's yeah. been out for. But that's still three. I'm kind of like. Because I, I did check a little bit on their page just before we started to mm. see how many updates they've thrown in. And I counted 12. Yeah. 12 different, like, major free updates. Mm-hmm. And I think that's I think that's more of enough to, like, consider a full game at that point. Like, I, even when I played it, I didn't consider it an early access game. I consider yeah. it, like, a full title. Um, yeah. I did. Too. When I first bought it, yeah, I'm like, this doesn't feel like an early access game it doesn't look like an early access game um yeah there was obviously money behind it because if you look at the soundtrack which mm-hmm. by the way we the talk- soundtrack is incredible it's actual i will music. say that it's, it's, it's actually like its biggest thing yeah and as a former uh youth group metalhead <laughs> christian youth mm-hmm. group metalhead <laughs> living sacrifice demon hunter Fit for a king, uh, fucking becoming the archetype. Oh, those are some heavy, solid state record, tooth and nail record, heavy hitters. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> if fucking <laughs> just living second. Burn on it. Burn on it. Burn on it. Oh, yeah. man. Uh, it's, um, yeah, so I, I'm just like this. This feel doesn't look like an early access game. Um, yeah, it just was not. I still have a hard time seeing it as an early access game, and I feel like they should just say this is like the full release and that they're just going to continue with updates. It still seems to have a decent player base, though. Like, I don't have a problem mm-hmm. really getting games, um, yeah. which is impressive. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I was is... having some issues finding people solo. Like when I was just playing by myself, obviously when I stream it, it's not mm-hmm. that big of an issue because people want to play. But uh, playing it just on my own, I did find some issues. But then again, I'm a new player and that kind of makes sense considering. Like I don't expect a whole bunch of like 25s just hanging out in normal lobbies for fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it wasn't totally bad though. And even if it is, like even if it's just you... Mm-hmm. people can join throughout the game it's not like the lobby just starts and then that's it and it's locked until it's over yeah um so like even even like when i'm going in solo about like round three or round four in a seven round like game that's when mm-hmm. people start to finally join in um but yeah i i don't know i'll definitely say that like it's it's a lot more interesting with more people because, like, as a single player, as a solo player, it's not that bad of an experience. Like, mm-hmm. you you tend to have so much more space, whereas, like, it scales based on player amount. Yeah. So, like, having six players is going to spawn in a hell of a lot more enemies than just being, like, one person. And uh, other players also, you, you can't just run through other players. They have their own hitbox. So, like, if you're trying to, like, even positioning to a degree does matter. Where, like, if you're trying to get into a room where your entire team is hanging out, you better hope there's nobody blocking the door just hanging out there. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're going to be stuck outside. Had that issue a couple of times. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like, you get a lot more freedom of movement mm-hmm. when it comes to uh, solo play. And I found it very easy in comparison. Mm-hmm. That, that was one of the first things I noticed. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Uh, so some things real quick just about Killing Floor 2 for anyone that's interested. Right now it is on 50% sale for fourteen ninety nine. Regularly is $30. Um, yeah. Some of the system requirements, uh, just for the minimum specs. I'm just going to go minimum specs because doing both recommended yeah. minimum is a little ridiculous. Um, you need a Windows 7 or 8 or 10, 64-bit. Um, you need a Core 2 Duo e8 200 at 2.6 gigahertz or a phenom 2 x2 545 processor um ren not if that makes mm-hmm. sense um yeah. Yeah, that's, gigs- that's nothing so totally crazy that's pretty mm-hmm. low end I, I found that the game was like pretty like functional no matter what yeah like i was even running on pretty high specs and it seemed very stable yeah um it, I don't I know. First it, it seems to do a good job at like managing gore and things along those lines. Yeah. Like particle effects tend to be an issue, yeah. but like I, I didn't have any with this one in particular. Yeah, um, three gigs RAM uh, for a graphics card, a GeForce GTS 250 or a Radeon HD 4830. Um, mm-hmm. You need 60 gigs of hard drive space available. Um, that's the minimum specs. Uh, yeah. At the last 30 I days, we've say. had a peak of 10,000 players. 
uh, an average I players will say, of 6,000. Sorry, sorry. There was no, you're good. There was there was one thing that kind of caught me off guard, at least after I downloaded it, was the game was about 30 gigs of a download, mm-hmm. and it didn't seem that big. Like it didn't seem like it was worth 30 gigs hmm. of a download. Like I could have seen it be 20, because for the most part, like the the bulk of it is maps. Like it's yeah. not really like a whole lot of like stuff going on. And 30 gigs kind of threw me off guard in that regard. And I was like, that mm. seems a little bit much in comparison. And I checked, I, I looked into it a tiny bit. Uh, apparently, there is some, like, compression issues. Like, there's not exactly mm. a great storage system that they have in place for, like, compressing these files and making them smaller. Yeah. Because I was just like, 30 does not, that can't be right, right? That's That just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um... But yeah, just for just for people that have like data caps, I'd keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. Like if you're downloading custom maps, apparently they download uncompressed, so they're pretty big. Mm-hmm. Um, but aside from that, I don't know. I, I found it to be very functional. I didn't really have any issues. I think I might have had like a stutter once, mm-hmm. maybe in a blue moon. But aside from that, it was totally fine. I, I ran into no issues. Yeah. Um anything else on on killing floor 2 i've kind of said my piece on it i think for 15 dollars it's good i don't yeah. know about 30, 30 to be completely honest yeah. i don't know about 30 it, it goes yeah. on sale pretty regularly too um mm-hmm. it's one that you could even probably get it for cheaper than 50 percent off uh yeah i mean the the when i was looking at this uh steam charts for it it regularly mm-hmm. maintained right around um 5,000 plus players it seemed so it's got a healthy enough player base for most people to get into and if you buy it with some friends um yeah it's definitely worth picking up uh maybe ren and i will play this week we don't know yet yeah maybe maybe (laughs) possibly Um, ren you said something that i really Uh feel like is a perfect segue Uh, people with data caps um yeah might want to watch out for oh wow um watch out for this issue whoops i am trying to do things now that i guess i forgot to do uh so we've talked a lot about google stadia and um like data caps and stuff in the past uh but vice did a story um Mm -hmm. this last uh week uh specifically that google really doesn't google believes consumers are ready for uh stadia Um, Mm -hmm. and a lot of research that vice pointed out, um, says the opposite. Uh, when we, and the reason I wanted to talk about this because we've talked about this before, but this had some really good numbers in it that I think really puts everything Mm -hmm. in perspective, uh, for some, uh, folks out there. Um, so right now, Google, uh, looking at, uh, streaming 4k resolution could consume about as much as 15.75 gigs an hour. Um, again, that's at the 4k 60 FPS, uh, streaming, um, 15.5 gigs an hour, 15.75 gigs an hour. Oh God. Okay. Um, that's at 4k 60 FPS. It's essay by the, uh, NP. NPD group, uh, they're a market researcher, 
that on average, American gamers play about 22 hours a week, which means that uh, at 4K FPS streaming, uh, the average American, if they were to use Stadia, would use 1,386 gigs a month. Um, <laughs> most broadband, some broadband uh, caps in the country are as low as 150 gigs a month uh, in several regions across the country. And it's estimated that uh, the three, uh, the 35 million gamers, um, if they were to use Stadia, would be in danger of exceeding their broadband cap. Um <laughs> Uh, very, very quickly. Like a day. In, uh, <laughs> yeah, in potentially a 24-hour period. Um, yeah. I know that my – I have two terabytes, two, uh, 200 – or uh, I'm sorry, 2,000 gigs, a monthly uh, mm-hmm. allowance. Um, yeah. Bef- prior to moving, um, I had 1,000 gigs for a full mm-hmm. month. Um, so those are just some of the hard numbers. Another one of the uh, research groups was called uh, Bra- uh, Broadband Now. And they said, our survey findings point to potential disconnects between consumers and the services they use, showing that our transition to game streaming nirvana may be a bumpier than than many expect. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't... Which that, that blows I, my mind. Is there any numbers for uh, the lower resolutions, like the 1080p? Not that streaming? I... Not that I saw. Okay. Um... But I want to contrast that quote that I just said to what Phil Harrison, Google VP, said. ISPs have a strong history of staying ahead of consumer trends. And if you look at the history of data caps in those small number of markets, the trend over time when music streaming and downloading uh, became popular, especially in the early days, it was not necessarily legitimate. Data caps moved up. Then, with the evolution of TV and film streaming, data caps moved up. And we expect that will continue to be the case. <laughs> Wait, so, so the reasoning is because everybody's going to be capping their data cap, they're going to increase the data cap? Yeah, it's essentially that, what that Phil Harris like said. the reasoning. What? Which, <laughs> which um, knowing <laughs> most of the ISPs, it's $50... Uh, as oh, yeah. it's a fifty dollar overage fee, I can't mm-hmm. imagine most ISPs um, forsaking that. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, no, we're just yeah, I, I, we get it. Everyone's using Google Stadia That's... now, uh, which the adoption rate I don't think is going to be nearly high enough to move <laughs> the ISPs' needles. Um, I don't. Even if that was the case, why would they why would they increase data caps at that point? I'm like guaranteeing they'd be like, oh, bet we're going to make some extra overcharge fees this month. Yeah, (laughs) this this current Stadia release Mm. month. I I don't expect Mm. them to be like, oh, yeah, everybody's using Stadia. Let's increase that data cap. I doubt that (laughs) heavily. Yeah, it it seemed like such a weird statement, like just a weird disconnected statement. And yeah. I'm having a hard time trying to understand why Google, I mean, this is probably more of like a statement to like Google shareholders or something, or, Mm -hmm. you know, being like, Hey, like we know, you know, shareholders and and people who own stock in Google are worried about this. We're not, Mm -hmm. no ISPs are going to change. It's not ISPs and ISP practices aren't going to affect uh, Stadia adoption at all. 
Mm-hmm. Um, that's what this kind of feels like to me, which is like, yeah, which makes me really hope that there's like backroom conversations between Google execs and ISPs and Google execs are like, listen, we have this yeah. massive service that we put a lot of fucking technology and time and money into. And you mm-hmm. fuckers are going to be affecting our bottom line if you don't change your ways. Like, I hope like Google is like trying to strong arm something in the back, but I don't think that's really that's like the only thing i could possibly think of to be honest Mm -hmm. because that seems like such a blatantly ignorant statement like there's no you you could say like oh yeah data caps were improved because people were downloading music illegally i don't think they were improved because of that i think that's because the infrastructure got significantly better because there wasn't that big of a jump yeah but uh there was a huge jump between 150 gigs like as your standard like data cap for most people to over a thousand like that's a huge leap so like i don't Mm -hmm. that just seemed i'm actually unbelievably dumb in my eyes well the 150 is (laughs) as low as it can get Mm -hmm. um at least in my area that's pretty like common like it that's that's a pretty common thing and like that's probably one of the big things to think about at least is like when we're talking about like these uh data caps in particular a lot of like the numbers are skewed towards cities where they actually have like a decent infrastructure yeah and like have a decent population but a good majority of people can't run that yeah in rural, a good yeah. majority of people can't um so it seems like a lot of industry analysts are like yeah this is this is going to be a very bumpy rollout i expect google to at least skin their knees a little bit on this um Mm -hmm. so it'll be interesting to watch like i said i wanted to bring this up because it was one of the first uh articles i saw that really had some really solid and interesting numbers uh on it that in like i said i'm kind of like way of course google has an isp as well google fiber right Mm -hmm. that they have um but yeah it's like where they're not yeah that's great and all but that's it's a very tiny infrastructure like that is colossally small they have a few cities yeah when compared to nothing crazy yeah when compared to comcast and cox and mediacom and time warner Mm -hmm. you know i'm kind of curious i i would like to know if they are doing any sort of conversations and like hey like we have this thing you guys need to start like upping your game mm-hmm. um yeah yeah i'm just one of those things i <laughs> i i'm curious about because they've got to be worried about that they've got to be worried about the um barriers to adoption uh for google Stadia. yeah and and i know this is like a worst case scenario sort of thing right mm-hmm. where they're using 4k as like their their indicator yeah. as to like how much it is and granted 4k is that's pretty that's pretty chunky when it comes to uh when it comes to data mm-hmm. when like most people's standard are going to be running 1080p i don't expect that many people to be running 4k but it's definitely something to be noted for sure yeah because like that's that's a lot even if like even if you're willing to do that right like that's just stadia that's not including literally everything else you run your internet on mm-hmm. like everything else you want to watch a movie that's gonna affect your data cap yeah. you gotta do anything with the internet that's gonna affect your data mm-hmm. cap and like just seeing something easily take up about 70 to 80 percent of like one person's uh particular data cap mm-hmm. in like a day yes yeah. i don't know about that one chief 
Um, so yeah, I mean, any other thoughts on this? I like I said, those are just some interesting numbers. I thought were were really solid and and kind of show, showed a light on on uh, stadium. I think. I think it would have made so much more sense if they tried to like bolster infrastructures of different ISPs rather than making Stadia even a thing. Like that would have been a huge play, at least in my eyes. Yeah. Hey, we're Google. We're going to invest in your infrastructure so you can provide a better service (laughs) or like get like get like an ownership percentage or whatever. I'm kind of curious at that point, though, like what would be blocked by the uh, U.S. government? It's like, yeah, no, Mm -hmm. you guys can't have like partial ownership of the seven isps in this country <laughs> you know Wait, we need a little bit of internet monopolization <laughs> just, just I, i'd really hope that like the ftc or like or the trade commission <laughs> or whoever would be like yeah no you can't own 20 percent of cox mediacom uh time warner comcast and <laughs> your own oh, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure the ftc could be paid off i'm sure <laughs> it depends on whose administration um, i didn't say that <laughs> <laughs> oh man i uh, there's another story that i wanted to talk about mm-hmm. that i thought was interesting um that uh steam just released their new feature called remote play together which just rolls off yeah. the fucking tongue <laughs> yeah clunky... i love the idea to be honest the i'm just real quick the, it's such a clunky fucking name holy cow steam <laughs> remote play together it's <laughs> four words <laughs> oh man um so it's currently in its beta program which you if you're in the uh steam beta program which i is really easy to uh enter you mm-hmm. just have to like go to your steam client and like in your settings and then in, like enable it somewhere mm-hmm. um so it's currently in the beta program so people can try it out um it is uh, a simulated couch co-op so you can have up to four uh, players in a remote game uh, play together in a lobby um, that, and you can play a co-op, local multiplayer, or shared split-screen games on um, one computer. Uh, the way that it works is that the host is streaming the game to um, the other participants. So if I'm hosting a mm-hmm. game uh, like Nidhogg, um Ren is just streaming it and all he can see is that game. I just want to point that out because they they make a very big b- yeah. deal about you're displaying the game and not the uh, desktop so your porn collection is safe mm-hmm. um from Ren's judgy eyes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh so that's how it works. It's uh really big on like the the couch play or the the local mm-hmm. um local multiplayer um mm-hmm. angle which i think is fantastic because there's a, quite a few games that rely on that or are based on yeah that. Uh, and yeah quite there's a, there's a shockingly large amount yeah um and it's not like a thing in pc really unless you're going to like land parties or something yeah exactly one, one of the like prime examples that immediately popped up into my mind was uh lovers in a dangerous space time mm-hmm. so allegedly i haven't played it because it's a local multiplayer only game but uh, i've heard it's absolutely phenomenal for local multiplayer um things like that the ability for um developers to not have to worry 
about having to make their own like netcode specific thing mm-hmm. just to play like couch like a simulated couch co-op experience in their own right that is awesome like that's absolutely phenomenal i love the thought that like steam is going to be hosting that sort of thing and like they can choose if they want to like make it into its own sort of thing so like for example like killing floor obviously that that just sort of makes sense that it's like an online multiplayer experience Mm -hmm. but something like say shovel knight where it it goes up to like two players and it's just like a one screen and it's no big deal Mm -hmm. but like that kind of thing is super important. Like that's been one of the things Shovel Knight hasn't made it because they haven't wanted to do the net coding for it. Yeah. And like having that all focused on the actual like launcher itself is great. That's absolutely phenomenal. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I think it just opens a lot more options for devs and kind of mm-hmm. keeps them a little bit more free yeah. in that regard. We're like, cause I'm very confident that there's a lot of games out there that are like, we want to have couch co-op. And then it just kind of, or like, we want to have an online co-op system. Mm-hmm. And it just didn't pan out. And then they scrapped it because they were losing time because of it. Yeah. And having this is like a way to deal with that. And also to just play with your friends is, mm-hmm. it's absolutely fantastic. I love the concept yeah. to be dead honest with you. That's probably one of the favorite, like my favorite things that they've talked about in a while, mm-hmm. really. Like, yeah. I, I can't really think about that many other things that have been that revolutionary for uh, Steam as a whole, aside mm-hmm. from this. Uh, yeah, no, I'm actually excited about it. I do have, like, some questions about it just because it's streamed. Um, mm-hmm. And I was kind of thinking about, like, some competitive games, like Nidhogg or, like, some party games. Mm-hmm. Um, or something that requires, like, very precise timing. I don't know about uh, Lovers in a, was it Lovers in a Space Time? Yeah, Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time. It yeah. does have some, uh, like, time-sensitive elements. Yeah. And I think, like, I think it's easier to fix that issue as a mm-hmm. developer rather than making the online play as a whole. Yeah. Because you can always put in, like, latency modifiers. You actually, mm-hmm. when we were even talking about Stadia, that's one of the things that they do. They use a latency modifier to kind of, like, simulate that it's all happening, like, at real time. It's essentially to reduce latency. Mm-hmm. Like it, like re- at least reduce the feeling of latency, rather. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that's definitely a cool thing to have, though. Um, I I think it's not the hardest thing to manage, but that being said, you definitely will have some sort of latency issues, and that's yeah. always like a potential worry. But I don't think. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. Depend. It really depends on like their infrastructure on that. Mm-hmm. Is like if they make a good foundation for uh for this uh local play then like at least if it's like a solid foundation for that it will work on everything you're you're not gonna have like weird latency on one game but totally fine on the other because mm-hmm. it's all ran it's not even ran through the game itself it's ran through steam yeah so yeah that that's at least the way i see it it sounds great to be honest yeah i i'm excited for this i'm i'm willing to definitely give it a uh the good old college try and yeah um yeah, I, I think this is a great addition, and I think this isn't one that I don't think Epic is going to be getting this anytime soon, and I don't think GOG will be getting this anytime soon. So, um, yeah, I don't think so either. This is a nice Epic. Epic is still struggling with like their basic foundation. Yeah, so this is a nice know. this is a nice arrow in Steam's quiver, and I think it's good mm-hmm. for devs and it's good for players too. And uh, one thing I forgot to mention is um, only the host has to own the game. Um, yeah. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and if, that was one thing that I was a little bit surprised about when you said it, because you did kind of mention it, where yeah. you were saying that you kind of just streamed the game to somebody else's PC, mm-hmm. which that's that's in its own right really cool. Because yeah. like, uh, I would love to play Shovel Knight with a friend, mm-hmm. but I don't expect them to pay like twenty bucks to go get it. Yeah. Um, and things along those lines. So that I don't know, just good on them. To be honest, that's like yeah. a huge move. I'm glad to see that they're doing more consumer-based like actions, consumer and dev-based actions, rather yeah. than just like we're revamping the store, yeah. we're 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 changing the friends list, like yeah. making an actual impact on. We're the, making uh, a streaming. A good move. We're making a streaming platform. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Steam which TV. Be, which, to be fair, wasn't really a thing. I think it was just going to be for the Dota Championships. Yeah, but still, um, yeah, it happened. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's awesome, and I, I'm looking forward to trying it out. I got to figure out mm-hmm. how I'm gonna try it out and who I'm gonna try it out with. Um, yes. Yeah. And if you if you get your hands on it, Ren, let us know for sure. Yeah. Folks absolutely. Um, yeah. Uh, apparently, it's still like in rough development, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're they're really working on like server optimizations and stuff along those lines. Yeah. But. I, I can't imagine this being super bad. Like, it's yeah. it's going to have at least some level of, like, solid decency. Mm-hmm. If you're willing to play online play, this should function about the yeah. same way, if not slightly better. Yeah. You know, we should uh, actually try it out. Do you have Nidhogg? Have you tried Nidhogg out at all? I do not have Nidhogg, I but you do. just said your own right. <laughs> Only takes one person to have it. Yeah. So maybe we should try Nidhogg out. Uh, yeah. And see how that how well that works out. Um, if that happens, you guys will certainly hear it from us. Um, mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, anything else that you wanted to talk about this week at all? I think that about covers it. I, I don't really have anything specific. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, with uh, just the two of us, I think it'll be a shorter episode, which is uh, perfectly fine. So, Ren, why don't you yeah. go on ahead and uh, do your plugs? Well, guys, you can find me at twitch.tv forward slash renditions with two Zs because I'm dumb. Can't spell my own name. Uh, we actually finished RL Craft uh, yesterday. We're pretty much done with it. We're now moving on to our sub server, which we got uh, from our MC Pro Hosting partnership that we got recently, which is super hype. Um, so we've been messing around with that. I'm not sure what I have planned tomorrow, but I know I want to play some single player game. And then Thursday, I think we're going to try out setting up the RL Craft server again and setting it to hardcore and see how long everybody lasts, <laughs> making it public to my uh, chat and see how long everybody lives. I think that'll be a fun uh, experience, but uh, but yeah, you can find me at twitch.tv forward slash renditions with two Z's. Awesome, guys. Go check him out. If you are in the uh, live chat, I did give Ren a shout out. Um, and if you are listening or watching uh, on the VOD or on the podcast feed, um, you guys can check the episode description. Uh, coming up on my channel, uh, probably playing some Killing Floor 2 uh, for a little bit. Um, something I haven't been promoting that much on here but i need to be better mm-hmm. at um as i have my spookathon coming up um if you guys are interested in winning a 20 dollars steam gift card write a spooky story um come on over to my twitch channel uh and look at the contest page or the contest tab uh enter to win um i will be reading the stories live with um reverend sven aka padre as i call him um on my birthday which is halloween um Let's see. Wait, I didn't know that. Wait, what? No. What? 
Hello? Yes. Oh my god. Okay. All right. <laughs> We've known All each right. other for cool. how long now, Red? Cool. Cool. <laughs> Which is why I did. Cool. This is the second annual Spookathon, by the way. Oh my god. It's <laughs> my right. special uh, birthday stream because um, it's funny to watch Danny read uh, while he's also drinking. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I am doing a special uh, Halloween Dungeons and Dragons one shot this Saturday. I have uh, Mr. Green Elite, uh, Switchblade Kittens, um, my very longtime friend, Ur Urban Decay. And if like someone else, Ren wants to join us, uh, they can feel more than welcome to join us as well. Ren. I'll see uh, what I can do. <laughs> um, otherwise, guys, we appreciate all of you who listen live. Um, if you've missed any part of the show, you can find the podcast on YouTube, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere podcasts are found. Like I say every week, if you have a very particular app that you use and we're not there, let us know. We want to be where you are. Uh, we want to make it very easy for you. Um, let us know uh, how well we're doing, uh, If either here in the Twitch chat or connect with us on Twitter at NTNPod. You can also leave us a rating and a review on the podcast platform of your choice. Um, you guys can help support the show by doing that as well, and uh, just tell your friends um, about us if you really do enjoy the show. Uh, Ren, absolutely anything else before we go? Nope, I'm good, dude. All right, Fantastic. guys, until next week, we will talk to you later. Bye. Thank you for listening to the show. If you enjoyed what you heard, please help support the show by giving us a rating and review on the platform of your choice. And we hope to have you join next week.